Good morning. Good afternoon. Good ev- good evening. Howdy. Uh, <laughs> good day. How are you going? I hope you've had a wonderful week and that wherever you are right now, it's sunny. Sunnier than here, at least. Today, even though it's almost summer in the Southern Hemisphere, it's very cloudy and rainy and kind of cold. So the drink of today is peppermint tea because I'm a little bit cold and I'm really cozy in my bed right now. And yeah, it's still early. It's quite nice. Today was the first morning in months. Well, in a few weeks. No, yeah, months. Months. (laughs) That I did my morning pages, which is something that I used to have to do religiously, that I've been doing religiously for like three years. And I just stopped... Because I kind of had a fear, not like a fear, sorry, like an anxiety around kind of like sitting down and writing down my days. It's a really strange anxiety. It's like, I feel like if I miss, from like being so into it and from like not missing any day, when I started missing days for extraordinary reasons, I started having an anxiety of like an accumulation of days that I had not been writing about that what that in my mind journaling became this thing about like me sitting down and writing about those days that I didn't write about so the more accumulated the days the more that I the more that I felt that I was supposed to write about them and so it just became an anxiety that kept me from journaling so I journaled once again this morning because I woke up a little bit anxious And it actually made me feel better. It was so nice. It was probably like seven pages of just writing down what what was in my mind. Um, If you're an OG to this podcast, if you have been listening to this, you know that I've been swearing by journaling and morning pages for a while. Just like many other books. Well, nothing original. But, um... But yeah, it felt really good. So I felt in the, like in the, in this headspace, in clarity to record, which is something I also love, but sometimes I can't do because my mind is too cluttered. And I've also been experiencing somehow some kind of like imposter syndrome, but that's another conversation. (laughs) Today, we're actually going to talk about something that I prepared in advance I was writing down the prompts for today. So we're going to be talking about social anxiety. And this is not an episode a lot about solutions to social anxiety because I feel like every person's anxiety is very individual and it's it's an individual experience that we collectively um that we collectively live or share if that makes any sense, but it's very individual as well. And I'm aware that not all the means that work for someone might work for everybody or for another person. So I'm going to be sharing my journey with social anxiety and some of the things that have helped me alleviate it a lot and that just make me feel better when I feel really overwhelmed by it. And I think that by itself, talking about social anxiety, it's something very healing Um, I think I started 
I pinpointed my social anxiety the moment that I started talking to people or to my friends and, and stuff about how I was feeling, how we, you know, how the, how they were feeling and stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this thing has a name. <laughs> I've had this thing for ages and I didn't know. I just could not name it. So the moment that you recognize that you're not the only person dealing with this and at the same time knowing that it's something common, it's something that comes and goes, it's very easy or it's easier, shall I say. It's easier to manage it. So yeah, let's talk about social anxiety. Um, This week, I also did a mental health first response training and it was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity that I I would just encourage everybody to do. I think that's something that we should get taught in school. And I think that's something that should be accessible for everybody. This is something, the, the mental health first response training is free for people in Wellington, just as people in many other cities, I'm sure. It's maybe something that is starting to become part of the daily conversations and the daily concerns. So some organizations and and nonprofits hold spaces for conversations like these to share expertise and train people to be the bridge between a loved one in crisis or someone in crisis and um, mental facilities and support, outside support bigger than an individual who is not a trained nurse or expert. So I think that you can look up at the, look up at the, um, maybe at the spaces that might be holding these kinds of uh, conversations or trainings. And most of the times they're free if they're for kind of like individual use. Um, So I would highly recommend kind of looking for something along those lines because I, I find it so valuable. And when I was, while I was there, I was like, this is exactly what we should be taught at school. This is something we should all be aware of. Because I've been in crisis myself. My friends have been in crisis. And sometimes I don't know what to do. And it's so normal not knowing what to do when we're in crisis. Or when other people is in crisis. I find that from going through therapy, from being in therapy for it's been now like eight years I somehow have some grasp over my crises or my emotions you know what I mean I kind of know that they fluctuate and they change and that they're not a solid state of being but sometimes a feeling is so overwhelming so I think that it's so important to be aware of the ways in which we can be facilitators for a safe space to yeah, to express how someone feels if they're in crisis, someone to reach out to, but at the same time, not taking all the responsibility. So this training consisted of learning techniques of identifying when somebody is suicidal on how to um, use language as a tool to um, to validate someone's emotions while at the same time providing support, yet not taking all the responsibility to ourselves. I'm a very empathetic person, so I knew that I needed this training because usually I'm like, I'm going to help you fix your problems. I'm going to help you, you know, feel better. I want to make you feel better. You know, I want to bring the solutions to you. You know what I mean? So this is going to be sharing my experience from this workshop where I learned lots of 
yeah, I kind of, I guess the language around emotions and also just my journey with social anxiety. So going to that training reminded me of how important it is to be aware of the struggles that we have with our mental health and the struggles of those around us and that it's so normal. It's so, so normal. There's still a lot of stigma. There's still a lot of negative language around um, around these uh, these issues, around these experiences when in reality they're so normal and I think we should be more inclusive so social anxiety let's go um I think my social anxiety I still experience social anxiety it's been an ongoing battle or it's been an ongoing experience I should say I don't want to use very negative language around it but it's been an ongoing issue for a few years now I would say I was thinking about this the other day the other day when I was writing down and I would say middle school or high school probably middle school I think it was when we started going to parties and you just didn't know how to behave in a social space there was definitely people who were already more used to partying than you so people would start to go on their phones. There was still no social media as we know it now as like TikTok to go in there and just scroll. But for sure, we, you know, we would just go on our phones and pretend like there was something more interesting happening. So I think that's when I started experiencing this anxiety of going to something social and being like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. What if no one notices me? What if... You know, what if no one talks to me? What if I look ridiculous? What if my hair is horrible? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that social anxiety goes back for many of us to middle school or high school. I think that no one is born with social anxiety to, of this of this sort that I'm talking about. Because at the end of the day, my social anxiety is not so bad to the point where I can't leave my house. It used to be it's there was a time a little there was a time when it was really bad but I think I've learned to manage it a little bit better there's some like sometimes it's pretty overwhelming for sure but some other times it's just like tickling so I think that if we think back of when we started feeling anxious around people or experiencing social anxiety I think we can kind of pinpoint how that situation went so to me just like sitting down a few days ago and being like oh how can I start talking about my social anxiety when did it start and I kind of like went back to the moments where I didn't call it social anxiety because I didn't even know that it was a thing but when I was feeling these exact same feelings that I still feel today when I go to a party or something you're kind of like able to see that it's maybe your inner child your inner teenager crippling inside of you just terrified of what's going to happen you know it's kind of like repeating over and over and over the same experience that to a degree traumatized us so I think to me it's been really healing actually to realize that my social anxiety comes from a space where I was feeling very vulnerable I was not feeling confident I was feeling very lonely and this was during teenage like teenage just sucks <laughs> I wouldn't go through teenage again even if I got paid a million dollars like I would just not do it so I think teenage just 
is could be highly traumatizing for a lot of people and a lot of people's traumas today come from teenage but they just haven't realized it you know what I mean they just kind of like take it for granted we forget what it is to live without these these experiences these feelings these traumas and we take them for granted as if they were part of us part of our identity when in reality it's a trauma that we we maybe haven't healed from we maybe have not even um are not able to see so I can say that this week I learned (laughs) I had a big learning and it was that my social anxiety is not inherent it's not like an inherent part of me it comes from these years of solitude and confusion and yeah feeling so insecure so that's something that I've been replicating over the years because maybe it, it kind of gives some sort of comfort. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so social anxiety, high school, middle school, um, you're really insecure and it just kind of stays with you. To some people, I I have to say that it's worse or less intense. I think the level of anxiety and social anxiety and in general there's different levels and of course according to your um to your emotional intelligence or your access to healthcare and access to things in general to be honest you know if you go to therapy if you don't like all of these things all of these factors play a massive role in anxiety i think that when you are lacking you feel more vulnerable and you feel more anxious. Like there's different triggers that for sure enhance or decrease the level of anxiety in someone's life. I think that to me, it was when I started, for instance, like in high school, social anxiety, it was something that I would experience in spaces where I didn't know people, where still this like social hierarchy was like big, you know, like it really mattered how you dressed and like people would like straight up talk about, you know, really shallow things and stuff. I don't know. Some people still live in that cycle. I, as soon as high school ended, I was like, I'm done with this. I know that there's adults who still care about this. I don't give a fuck. I'm anyway, I very luckily don't experience those situations or things anymore just because I knew I was quite, I was so aware that I was done with that. But I know that it's not exclusive to teenage. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that when I started living on my own and I moved from home and I was not like financially fully relying on my parents, I was starting to experience another kind of anxiety over on top of my social anxiety, which was financial anxiety and like anxiety around not knowing how to manage my time and like all sorts of different different anxieties. So I think that when we are lacking something or when we're struggling with, in this case, money or having too much on the table, of course we feel vulnerable and we're anxious. That's why I think that it's such a general experience it could be self-diagnosed or it could be diagnosed you know it's I think that the the spectrum of anxiety and in this case social anxiety it's so nuanced and it's just massive that it's really hard to just pinpoint and be like okay this is the solution I literally googled right now how to overcome social anxiety and (laughs) I found this 
a really wholesome website. Well, not really wholesome at all, but the solutions are quite wholesome. And it says lifestyle and home remedies. So it says learn stress reduction skills, get physical exercise or be physically active, get enough sleep, eat a healthy, well-balanced diet, avoid alcohol, limit or avoid caffeine, participate in social situations by reaching out to people with whom you feel comfortable. So these are really hopeful home remedies like this (laughs) website calls them home remedies that pretty much are kind of mm, accessible to people but I don't think everybody can stick to these things not everybody has you know like according to people's lifestyles sometimes lifestyle punctuates the the sleep you're getting you know the rest or your access to good meals or your access to you know your lack of access to to healthy foods or you know sometimes you need caffeine to keep going because otherwise you know like there's sometimes there's no option I understand that on the other hand I do believe as well that we can kind of with our means to our best to curate our ways and our systems so I think lifestyle is really important but at the same time I think that stress reduction yeah, stress reduction techniques or skills are also really, really useful and they're accessible for everybody. Um, I would say that to me, something that really helps me on top of trying under my circumstances to stay on top of my sleep and my diet and everything, exercise, social, blah, 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 was just having like the understanding, just taking some instigating within myself what was happening and kind of having the understanding of of where my anxiety was coming from so once again I think that my anxieties come from high school there's a lot of traumas around there and high school just kind of sucks for a lot of people and it's not really positive in like on the long run yes you get a diploma but at the same time you're traumatized forever. (laughs) Um, You're traumatized forever if you don't heal those traumas. So in my case, I think that when I started experiencing social anxiety out outside high school, out of high school, sorry, (laughs) out of high school is when I was like, okay, what is this showing me? Why if I'm in a new place with people who are not necessarily very high schooly people who are not necessarily judging me to my face or you know whatever why am I still experiencing the same thing why is this anxiety traveling with me it's not about high school anymore you know what I mean so that's when I realized that I was repeating the same thing and I was looking at myself in the same way that these people would look at me you know in like such a judgmental way I realized that I was internalizing All of these aspects about how bitchy high school could be or how toxic those atmospheres can be. So I was definitely still, I mean, I was judging myself big time. I was just like, you know, no one's going to talk to you. Like my anxiety was coming from this place of me being like, no one's going to talk to me. No one's going to think I'm cool. No one's going to ask me anything. Why? Because I suck. Because I would, you know, like all like this thought spiral just was happening in my mind simultaneously as I was getting to a new place, ready to meet new people. So I was kind of self-sabotaging myself. So I think it's so important before anything, asking ourselves, 
where is this coming from and how am I participating in it? How am I feeding into this cycle of either judgment or not acknowledging ourselves or disrespecting ourselves or, you know, whatever it is? Or if it's positive, like you can also acknowledge that and you can kind of emphasize on that and work on that even more. You know, so in my case, I found out that it was more about the judgment and more about me being so unkind to myself. Like I was just criticizing myself so bad. And whenever I remember that, like whenever I was talking to someone and I would say something, I would automatically be like, ew, this was so cringe. This was so wrong. I wish I could say it all over again. And I would kind of like repeat it in my head and not even listen to the person who I was talking to anymore because I was just punishing myself in my mind as soon as I said something. And that kind of like, like the external triggers of my social anxiety, like the factors that would, would trigger me externally that were, you know, like parties or people or, you know, whatever, talking to other people became triggers that I would internally feel and that I would just foster on my own. So it stopped being about going to places, going to parties, but it started being about me behaving in public. (laughs) It started, it started being about me being the issue. So what happens when you are the issue? First step is questioning yourself, is asking, where's this coming from? What is this behavior covering up? Is it fear? Is it fear of rejection? Is it insecurity? What is it? Once you kind of pinpoint it, you can ask yourself verbally, you can write it down, you can talk to a friend. To me, it's, I've, I've, I've done all of the three, you know, like to me, it's verbalizing things so important and it's, you know, really different than talking and thinking. There's some sort of filter on all of those for sure. It depends on how honest you are with yourself, with those around you, with your notebook, with your therapist, whatever it is. But I think that there's, um, yeah, multiple ways in which you can do it. So whatever you choose, ask yourself, what is this covering? So to me, I discovered that it was judgment. It was fear of rejection and it was seeming boring or not cool or whatever. And it's so funny because whenever I would tell people like my friends and stuff like, oh, I just have social anxiety, whatever. They would just be like, what? Like, you know, and when we would try to untangle, I was just like, I don't know. I just think that people might not like me. They might not think I'm cool, you know, like they, whatever. Really superficial, seemingly superficial um, fears. But it just narrowed down to me not even acknowledging that I was any of those things. You know what I mean? I was kind of like pointing outwards to an issue that was internal. So it was it was a big realization. It really hurt realizing that all of those emotions sometimes came and still come from me. But the magical thing about this is that once you acknowledge that, it's just a matter of once you're, you know, because it's a habit already, but once you're in the habit of doing it, while you're doing it and you realize that you're doing that, you kind of like realize in your head, it's like, oh, fuck, I'm self-sabotaging myself. I'm judging myself. I'm being a bitch to myself. So in that moment, you kind of like snap out of it and you can kind of have a moment to choose if you keep feeding into it or if you change your ways if you change the way you're talking about yourself if you change your thoughts if you do something else 
when I used to be a compulsive eater, <laughs> I mean, I think that's the name of the thing, compulsive eating disorder. No joke. I was really depressed during quarantine and I would, I'm not even joking. I would, I would go through like entire peanut butter tubs within like, like in a, like in two days or something. Like it was, it was crazy. I would just eat peanut butter compulsively. <laughs> Saying it out loud sounds so silly, but anyway, eating peanut butter compulsively. <laughs> I would eat peanut butter compulsively. And so I remember that I was kind of like f- f- testing new ways of, you know, kind of finding, like kind of like breaking from my automatic, from my autopilot. And I remember that whenever I would just go to my pantry, not because I was craving, not because I was hungry, but because I was sad and I was trying to cover up some, whatever. I don't know. It was because of that. I would just go to my pantry. And as soon as I was going to my pantry, I would be like, I would say out loud, I'd be like, I am about to eat peanut butter because I'm really sad. You know what I mean? Or just simply say, I'm about to eat a whole tub of peanut butter. It's not about being a bitch to yourself. It's about kind of, it's just an example as well. I was dealing through my own stuff. I'm not shaming you at all. If you eat two tubs of peanut butter, go you. I'm a whore for peanut butter. But in this case, it was actually a disorder. Anyway, so I was saying out loud what was happening. Just like, I'm about to eat peanut butter or whatever. And that, that kind of gives you a room to decide. That kind of gives you a slight chance to be like, okay, can I reframe this experience or not? Initially, it will be hard and it will be like, I remember that like when I would say it, I would just take the time to be like, okay, I'm about to eat peanut butter. And I was like, okay, I would say it and I would still eat peanut butter. You know, then the next five, ten times, I'm going to eat peanut butter. But then I would kind of like take a little break. I mean, I, I would like take a, p- a few breaths and I'd be like, okay, let me see if I'm actually craving peanut butter or if, it, if, or if this is part of the disorder. I would drink some water beforehand. I would literally sit down and think if I actually wanted the peanut butter. And then like after a few times, like I would say like the last phase of my disorder was like me saying I'm going to eat the peanut butter. <laughs> and leaving the jar in the pantry you know like realizing that I was doing it out of the disorder this was not fully how I healed for sure I you know I had to go through I had to get external support as well for sure but I think I mean sometimes the hardest things to change are those times when you're on your own when you're alone and when you're desperate. So to me, in those moments of desperation, having a slight room, a slight chance, a few seconds to be like, oh my God, what am I doing? You change your mind or you change, you know, your automatic behavior. So this happened to me the same, same thing when I was thinking, when I was like really depressed or thinking of, I don't want to say depressed. I'm really sorry. I don't want to say that I'm curing depression this way. But when I'm thinking of like really negative things, like my fears, my anxieties, and I'm like out loud when I'm in my room, stuck in this train of thought, I'm like, right now I am really anxious about blah, blah, blah. Or right now I'm thinking of this blah, 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 whatever. You kind of like, once it's outside, once it's verbalized, 
it sounds silly or different or even more depressing or there's something. But I think once you kind of like you put it out into the world and it's kind of released in a way. I think it's released and you once again have the room to think if you want to keep engaging with that thought or no. It's a thing the same thing that happens with meditation. So many like so many people struggle including myself when I started I was just like I can't sit down and put my ma- my mind on blank. I I just can't. I can't meditate. I was not made for meditation. But this is like the the biggest misconception. Like meditating is not about sitting down and putting your mind in blank is about having all these thoughts come to you all of them are going to come to you so many things your shopping list is going to come to you your 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 chores your the conversation you had last with someone whatever everything's going to come up but it's about you acknowledging those thoughts and you looking at them objectively but not engaging with them you know like all these thoughts are still going to come back they're going to be gravitating in your mind but it's about not engaging with them and I think that saying these things out loud or you know kind of like questioning the autopilot gives you the room to be like okay am I just looking at them or am I engaging with them am I just looking at these thoughts or am I actually making out with these thoughts you know what I mean little metaphor for you so yeah that was that was that was a moment that was an era One of the biggest takeaways that I have from this course, from this training that I did this week, was looking at mental health as something that changes and fluctuates from week to week. We had this little exercise where we were reading out loud different people's, you know, like characters, hypothetical characters, situations, like life situations, and where they would stand week by week from like thriving to not good no bueno at all. And every single time that I say no bueno, my Mexican heritage crumbles slightly. Anyway, so it was kind of like different exercises and everything. And like, just kind of like seeing how it was like a 12 week template and seeing how some of these characters would be saying like, oh, my week at work was amazing. I went for a run. Yay. Life is great thriving and then the next week it'd be like I'm actually feeling so anxious I had this conversation with my boss and life sucks you know I'm not so good just kind of like seeing all of these life experiences as hypothetical as they are but also so relatable like so normal you know what I mean I was just like this is amazing I don't feel lonely anymore I don't feel lonely And it's the same situation with social anxiety. Like when I show up to a place, this feeling of me being unwanted that emerged from high school from moments where I would be surrounded by people who just didn't give a, who were not kind or, you know, who were whatever. Or even myself, I was very unkind at times as well. It was kind of falling into the cycle. Sometimes I show up to places and when my social anxiety creeps out it's like this hurt teenager who feels unwanted and who feels so insecure of her looks and how she looks that I'm like this is not high school anymore I am showing up to this place where I maybe know know no one it might suck I will just go home 
or it might be great. There might be some kind people and it'll be fine. Whatever. And I can say that most of the times when I kind of like acknowledge that that fear is coming from a place of me feeling unwanted back in back in time. And I don't allow that to kind of dictate how I'm going to feel throughout the night. Kind of like literally remind myself like, I don't know these people. Um, my, this might make you a little bit more anxious, but like just being like, this is not high school. This, these people are kinder. There's always someone kind, kind of like bringing mantras back to your mind. You know what I mean? Kind of like repeating, literally hypnotizing yourself, (laughs) brainwashing yourself to believe that there's always someone kind. There's always someone who's going to, you know, I'm seen, I'm noticed just mantras. I swear that it gets better this week. I went to um, to a very social space where I usually feel very anxious as well. But I guess this, in this case, I do feel anxious not about me being like, oh, they're going to look at me, whatever. No, it's just about me being so extremely tired that I just can't. I have no social battery to engage a lot. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to be funny. And, you know, when I'm exhausted. Anyway, so I went to this place and... Like, I was like, oh my God, I hope that there's no one around. Like, whatever. And then as soon as I see one of the people from there, they're just like, oh, hey, Barbara, what's up? How are you? Like, they hugged me and, you know, I was just like, oh my God. Like, even though I don't have like social battery to be like so super hyper social right now, I feel held and I feel seen. And, you know, this person with kindness kind of just blew away my fear of feeling unwanted and rejected that comes from this space of I guess a trauma and now yeah for sure I acknowledge that I I don't have the social battery but I feel um, you know what I mean I don't feel anxious there's I should not feel anxious so I think those little moments kind of reframe as well your experience your social experiences in general I think that the moment that I started allowing myself to attend different social settings I realized that I could reframe my social experiences I think that when you also realize the kind of people that you like surrounding yourself with um you know you can choose your battles you can choose where you go you can choose who you you know who you utilize your time with your energy you you're kind of more intentional with your social um with your social gatherings with your social experiences this to me also really I think my social anxiety just kind of crumbled as soon as I started kind of curating and not curating as in like ew you're not cool you know what I mean but like just kind of like acknowledging the kind of people that I like to have around me how I like to feel around people the kind of settings that I like you know like if I, I was looking at, oh my god, okay, so I was thinking about the people that I would hang out with when I was living in, living in Paris a few years ago, and like, I remember that there was this girl that I used to hang out with all the time, like, we would just go out and party, that's what we would do, and I remember this time I was like, I was just like, we should go have a coffee and like, you know, have lunch or hang out or something, and she was just like, oh, she kind of like brushed it off, like, I said it a few times and she would just like brush it off, and I was just like, mm 
I would seek connection with this girl and she would just brush it off and be like, I don't know, bro. She was just brushing it off. And I was just like, this is so exhausting. Just seeing someone at 1220 outside the club so that we could just get in, look cool and be cool, but feel like shit. I just, I, I, I remember just feeling so used, you know what I mean? In like a weird way. So that's when I was like, and, and for a long time, I was like, oh my God, I have so much anxiety going out. Like, I hate going to clubs. I hate it. But then I was like, no, I don't hate going out to clubs. I think I just have a really bad experience from hanging out with people who just wanted to hang out with me to go to clubs and nothing else. You know what I mean? So when I think, I think when I realized that I really like connecting with people, I really like, you know, cooking with them and going out to dinner and talking about certain things I I really appreciate when people talk about you know what they're passionate about their interests their hobbies not other people not the high school vibe that I was telling you about you know what I mean so I think once you acknowledge and realize the kind of people that you have around you or the kind of people that you want around you which might be really different you can really alleviate your social anxiety because you can actually choose the the social settings you're getting yourself into. And I think that's very powerful. That's very, very powerful. And it also reframes, I think, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it just reframes your experience in the world and to a certain extent. And even though there's some settings that you can't avoid, like work meetings or, um, when I used to go to university during like right after lockdown I was so anxious to go to the small classes and participate in those 20 people classroom classes lectures oh my god like raising my hand and saying something I would feel so anxious but then once again that was like me from high school just being really scared of what people were gonna think of you know whatever like the clickiness and like those those aspects that I hadn't healed from but then I was like you know what like literally no one here gives a fuck everybody just wants to leave everybody just wants this to end I might as well say what I think in class if I want to or I might as well show up to class and do my best or you know if I don't say anything that's fine but I will show up to class so I think that just being kind to yourself in this process because it's so normal being kind and understanding where things are coming from and actually objectively looking at the settings that you the social settings that you're immersed immersed in or you know you're going to that you're choosing to go to um the kind of people around you reflect the values that you that you foster or appreciate in this precise time and space you know when I realized that I needed better friendships or better relationships in my life I was like oh my god this is so far from what I have right now this you know like I I don't think I will ever have something as healthy and now looking back at like literally looking at the shit that I used to write before and you know just look at the things that I would be happy with or you know that I would be like okay with it kind of makes me, I mean, happy for me right now. But looking back, I'm like, damn, I can't believe that I was actually, you know, feeding into this. So yeah, it's a very important process and very healing. And 
I know that maybe this was not straight up answers, but it's, yeah, it's, I think everybody can reframe their experiences under their circumstances and um, there's a lot of learning to make and social settings fascinate me because it's a lot of learning it's a lot of the projections and everything kind of like ex- like the we're experiencing inside it's like externalized and is showing us something about us you know like how we feel around them how we act around them how they act towards us like everything is showing us something and I think that we have the power to foster that or or change um yeah or you know strive for something better or something that suit us you know what I mean like it's just something that works for us best because just like different kinds of anxieties or there's there's different kinds of people so I think that there's something for everybody and uh yeah, there's always, there's always, always, always kind people and there's always people willing to listen and people to hold space for you and people who will always be, be willing to, yeah, to be there and to have a coffee and talk to you, you know, always, always, always. If there's something that I've learned and something that I'm so sure of is the kindness in people there's kind people there's people with hearts and people who will understand and like myself from that experience not one no wanted anymore ever again so I will hold space or I hold space for others right now in the way I do because of my past experiences thank you so much for listening this is me for today I hope that yeah I hope that this somehow spoke to you and yeah I don't know thank you so much for staying here with me um I'm very grateful for whoever's listening and whoever yeah reaches out and tells me about their experiences that's very a very beautiful and humbling um outcome from this from this show so thank you so much I hope that you have a wonderful week I hope that, um, yeah, that whatever you're going through right now feels lighter and feels um, happier, if that's not the case. Uh, And remember, everything is constantly changing. It fluctuates. Mental health is not a stable, um, solid thing. It's constantly changing, and we are evolving with it. So thank you so much. I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget to share this episode if you enjoyed it. And follow me on social media at Amora Podcast. And I will see you next time. Take care. Peace and love. Bye.